Good evening. My name's Steve, and this is Christianity Out Loud. Thank you for watching and tuning in, uh, wherever you may be doing so, from anywhere around the world. Marvels of modern technology. Uh, yeah, thanks for watching. Uh, thanks for tuning in. Um, go check the channel out. Uh, I think this is episode 20, if I'm not mistaken. I'll say episode. Um, video, podcast number. Call it what you want. I'm pretty sure this is number 20. Um, which doesn't quite reflect, I think, in the number of videos that are up. But that's my fault, because linking things and playing with videos and audios, which... Um, not a great strength of mine. Um, I think I've doubled some on both Rumble and YouTube. But hey, there you go. So you could watch it twice. Like it once, go and watch the second one again. Um, hey, if you like what I'm trying to do here, a uh, bit of culture building, you're an alternate voice. Uh, not an alternate voice, a Christian voice rather. Uh, a voice that's alternate to uh, a lot of uh, media and a lot of you know, other anti-religious voices or apathetic religious voices uh, hit the subscribe bell um, on either YouTube or Rumble go and join the locals community one or the other you know let's, let's actually build build some uh, genuinely authentic you know, Christian channel Christian community is the word I'm looking for so um, there's a, a I've got a, a few social media um, sites you can follow me on any of them they're all linked below or at least the name of the social media site is below just go search Christianity out loud and you'll find it on any of them go check the book out uh, it's pretty good for my first uh, publication if I don't say so myself so all right well let's delve into it this week now I would preface this by saying I haven't put a huge amount of preparation into this but when I decided where I was going it was um, more or less a continuation of what I was ad addressing last week so you can go back and have a look at that one if you wish. If I remember correctly, that one was titled Disney versus um, Putin. I apologise for that noise. There's some construction going on outside. If you heard that, it sounded like somebody dropped a big steel beam. Anyway, hope they're okay. Uh, yes, yeah, so, not out, but I knew where I was going, so... Um, yeah, it was all was all there. Uh, it uh, directed itself when I found this particular article this week. So I put some scripture up, uh, you know, earlier on today. It was Matthew fifteen, ten to eleven, and really that that gives you an idea of what, you know, where I'm going, what I'm talking about here. So I'll read it though. Uh, if you didn't, I'll read it for you. So this is Matthew fifteen ten to 11. And he called the people to him and said to them, 
hear and understand. It is not what goes into the mouth that defiles a person, but what comes out of the mouth that defiles a person. Now that was asked in relation to, well the Pharisees asked that in relation to washing of hands before eating food. Um, and to make this authentic, uh, when I was prepping, I, um, I read, I continued from verse 11 into verse 12, and I think that that's actually better if I go verse 10, 11 and 12. Because there's a, you know, it's important. So, from verse 10 through to verse 12 this time. And he called the people to him and said to them, Hear and understand. It is not what goes into the mouth that defiles a person, but what comes out of the mouth. This defiles a person. Then the disciples came and said to him, Do you know that the Pharisees were offended when they heard this saying? Hmm. So firstly, what comes out of your mouth that defiles a person. I think that's a fair and reasonable metaphor uh, to get. And secondly, I guess that the people with the most defiling speech were therefore the ones most offended by said statement. So, that's interesting. So I draw your attention to an article written in The Guardian Australia. Now, from what little I know of The Guardian, I think it's based in England or the UK or that part of the world. But there's you know, some branches or subsidiaries or affiliated in other countries. Uh, so this is the Guardian Australia and as always the sources are all linked um, below so you can go and read them for yourselves don't take my word for it go and have a look at yourself look at it yourself make your own mind up heading Florida's pause so this is an Australian site jumping on to what's going on in another country so that i find always find that interesting uh, regardless of what country and what news outlet um yeah how much of an expert can say a foreign newspaper or a foreign press organization be uh, to what's going on in someone's country but i'll continue because that's not the point but Florida's Don't Say Gay bill inspired a chilling wave of Republican legislation. So I could actually stop that there because I don't need to go any further than that. Um, go back and look at last week's, but to save you doing that, uh, I'll spoiler alert, um, it's not a Don't Say Gay bill at all that is actually a load of rubbish. That is a term that has been made up and subsequently argued against. Okay? What the bill is doing is protecting the rights of parents to know what their children are being taught in schools. Now, 
I think that in itself is fair enough, but it also protects the rights of parents to be involved in any medical decisions, okay? Or mental issues or anything that their children are going through, may be going through. The school cannot keep that information from parents. And it also prevents discussions on sex, gender identity, for, hold on to your seats, prep to grade three students. So we are talking four, five-year-olds to eight, nine-year-olds. That's what that bill does. So, there you go. I can't see a problem with that on any level. And I would say that if any teachers do have a problem with that, if they do have a problem with specifically not being allowed to talk about sex or gender identity with five-year-olds, I would perhaps question their place in the teaching profession, if that's what they're most concerned about, because I would be most concerned about them wanting to do that. Now, none of this is any sort of phobic, so nobody can label me as that. And I will always take the traditional definition of that word, or the definition that has been the definition for the past, I don't know, thousand years or something. Uh, a phobia is an irrational fear of, therefore I cannot be homophobic or transphobic because I don't have any rational fear of anybody, really. Um, now everybody should be treated with respect. That's never been my opinion otherwise. As the wind blows. Um, that's never been my opinion otherwise. But not at the expense of the truth. What I will not do is humour anybody for the sake of the truth. I'm just not going to do it. Now, take the assigned at birth line. Yeah, the, the people aren't happy with the gender they were assigned at birth. Now, there's, a, there's several things wrong with that statement. I think it's a ridiculous concept. Humans aren't robots, right? It's not like we come off a, a, a factory line, a conveyor belt line, and somebody says, ah, oh, male, female, female, male, there we go. That's not, that's, no, just no. The fact I have to sit here and explain that is just, I, 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 yes. Anyway, you probably tell how I feel. We can tell the gender of babies super early in the womb. It's not assigned at birth. It's not assigned, nor 
nor is it you know given or decided upon at birth so that the whole premise of that statement is just it's nonsense with the greatest of respect it makes no sense it's nonsense how can i tell <clears throat> me sitting here not the biologist not the scientist well look at every other species of animal ever male female pretty simple some true do possess the ability to change between okay but that's not common for a start and if it does occur it's because that particular community has an imbalance there is too many female or too many male and then if an animal changes it undergoes that change naturally no chemical or medical intervention okay or surgical for that matter humans don't possess the ability to do that okay we don't now if you're not sure that that's what children are being taught well hold on to your seats again because i bring you the first and last dot point from a page from the kids helpline website again all sources are below here we go sex can mean lots of different things it can be about biological features our bodies have like our genitals or chromosomes but that's all stop anyway moving on it can be the it can be the assigned sex a doctor gives us at birth statement depending on what our genitals and chromosomes look like it can also be a legal status that we're given at birth or that we change over our lives we usually assume that a person's assigned sex decides their gender but it's more complex than that last dot point there are lots of possible gender identities out there people can identify as one of the binary genders as moving between genders as no gender or another gender all together that is available to any child that is somewhat internet or technological technologically savvy which these days is most of them and also a state high school here in Brisbane was using the gender bred person as a part of their anti-bullying program and i'll let you go look up the gender bred person for your own viewing uh enlightenment i was going to say pleasure it'll be enlightening and not to forget about the florida bill quoting from victorian education our friends down in victoria there may be circumstances in which students wish or need to undertake gender transition without the consent of their parents 
or carers and or without consulting medical practitioners. If no agreement can be reached between the student and the parents regarding the student's gender identity, or if the parents will not consent to the contents of a student support plan, it will be necessary for the school to consider whether the student is a mature minor. What's a mature minor? I hear you ask. Well, that's a good question. The answer, according to Victorian education, is where a student under the age of 18 asks to make a decision instead of their parent or carer. Principals or others working with students in schools can decide that the student is capable of making a decision on their own, that they are a mature minor for the purpose of making a particular decision. I messed that quote up a little bit, but you can go to the website and check it out. And if I just go down, notwithstanding this, for a variety of reasons, a student under the age of 18 is sometimes asked to make decisions on their own without the involvement of their parents or carers. For example, engaging with a health practitioner or allied health professional, or going on an excursion. Now, I find it firstly amusing, secondly, I don't know what I find it, uh, that, that the decision to undergo surgery, to remove particular parts of the body and then to be on a lifetime's supply of medication is equated to whether the student wants to get on a bus and go down to Queen Victoria markets for an excursion. I find that those two things being in the same sentence as as if they're the same magnitude of decision. Shall I get on a bus today or shall I change gender? Yeah, minor issues like that. So let me ask you this. Let me ask you this. Who should be the greatest influence on their children? parent or a teacher mind you 18 being the legal age here in Australia so they're not old enough to vote whether they're considered a mature minor or not not old enough to vote they're not old enough to go and purchase alcohol. They're not old enough to go and purchase tobacco related products. They're not old enough to enter certain venues, licensed venues on their own. But we're old enough 
to make a life-altering, irreversible decision. Who's the greatest influence? Who should be the greatest influence on children? You know, I mentioned the idea of a culture war last week, and I quoted the first parts of the Caribbean, where Captain Barbosa says something about you'd best start believing in ghost stories. Miss Swan, I think is the character's name, you're in one. You'd best start believing in a culture war because we are in one. Okay? There's an article that I haven't linked to uh, below, because I only found it just now. Uh, but I'll share it on any number of the social media sites where we're now looking at saying that uh, Christian schools here, at least in Queensland, uh, will now not be able to discriminate based on religion. So we could not employ someone because they are not adhering to the religious ethos of the school and that would be discriminatory therefore illegal cultural yeah there's an increasing group of people in society in culture and in politics who think it's acceptable to make things up don't say gay bill made up they made it up and are arguing against it and sexualize children And thankfully, thankfully, Australia seems to be not quite there yet. Most of this is confined overseas at the moment. But, you know, I've been in education for, for a while now, a good few years. And I would say for the last 15, at least 15 years, possibly 20 years, Australian education follows a few years behind, but follows the trends that American education goes. We've been through the art and science of teaching. We've been through the dimensions of learning. We're still in them, actually. So, give Victoria and Queensland a chance. I'm sure they are working on their ways to indoctrinate children. You know, I spoke at a church on Sunday just gone. So, today's Tuesday here, so two days ago. And I had the, <clears throat> the privilege uh, of delivering the Palm Sunday or a message on Palm Sunday. Uh, I've done yeah, two messages there. One was a Christmas message actually delivered on Boxing Day, but nonetheless, and Palm Sunday. So it's been yeah, quite an honour to do two out of the four, you know, Palm Sunday, Good Friday, Easter Sunday, Christmas Day. Yeah, it's been a real honour to do two. So, But before I went up and spoke, the children's ministry performed a play about the arrival of Jesus in Jerusalem on Palm Sunday. 
And if I remember correctly, I made a point of it before I got into the message that that is the solution. That is the solution. Parents, take an interest in your children. You know, reassure them that they are who they are, boy or girl, and that they've been fearfully and wonderfully made that way. But also teach them, age appropriately, about the sinful nature of people, why Jesus died for them, and what we can do with that. Building culture starts in the home. And I realise that there are plenty of organisations and plenty of people who wish to see the nuclear family destroyed. They wish to see fatherless homes in society. Well, good for them. I'm glad that that's what they want. So where are we? Where are we as Christians standing tall and going, you know what? No. No, no, no. We, we will build the culture. Thank you. You in schools, teach them how to read. Teach them how to write. Teach them maths. Sure, teach them critical thinking when they're old enough. Put some complex problems in front of them. But don't talk to my children about your own personal lives. That's my job to teach my children about that aspect of their lives, our lives. Okay? It's a privilege to have that. It's an enormous responsibility to have that for our children, but it is a privilege. And it is an enormous responsibility given that we are fighting the likes of the Disney Corporation on this. And as I said last week, you can do what you like with your Disney subscription, but mine runs out in, I think, 11 days time, and I don't plan to renew it. Whatever that costs Disney, little old me and my subscription, well, that's fine. If that's all it costs them, that's also fine, because I know what I'm doing is for the future of my children. So, until next week, God bless.